1: Grants. This is magnificent! Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now here's Frank, Scott, Chris, and Adam.
0: We are six days into the season and already firing up the worryometer. Welcome into Fantasy Baseball today. Frank Stample joined by Chris Towers, no Scott White, getting the Veterans Day off, and Chris. I need you today because I am ready to make some really rash decisions.
1: So, Frank, <laughs> turn off the TV, man. You gotta just like you, you gotta you gotta stop and like just center yourself and like it's just it's. I, I think we just saw the second start for like three pitchers. I know,
0: I know, but I, I'm ready to drop like all of my hitters for Nate Low, and I, I I don't know if that's a good idea
1: or not. So you're you're gonna have to tell me about. Yeah, that. you might have some bad hitters. <laughs> He didn't draft any Byron Buxton, so. Oh, gosh. Know.
0: Here we go. It's victory lap season on uh, April Ooh. 6th here. April 7th when you're listening to this. Uh, but we are going to fire up the worryometer, recap all of Tuesday's action. The Reds' offense was awesome, probably just because they were facing the Pirates. It was a great day for catchers, some updates on some aces as well. But let's just start with the worryometer specifically for Fernando Tatis because this is a very. It's a very interesting situation, Chris. Uh, per Dennis Lynn, we got this update earlier in the night. Fernando Tatis Jr. has some slight labral tearing in that left shoulder, which is consistent with subluxation with a subluxation injury, which is what Dr. David Chow, also known as Pro Football Doc, was uh, referencing last night when he went live to let everyone know uh, his thoughts on the in. The injury, uh, so it's been consistent across the board there. Fernando Tatis will be placed on the IL, and their GM, AJ Preller, said the Padres will go the rest and rehab route and aim for a return in, wait for this, 10 days. Fernando Tatis is going to try to return in 10 days. So, uh, if he returns in 10 days, Chris, I will eat this hat, this beautiful Texas Rangers hat, I will eat it on the air because there is no chance that you don't Fernando really Tatis want to like
1: put that on record.
0: He's not. He's Chris. If he's not returning in 10 days, I'm just and if he does, then it, it's I mean, this organization is maybe the dumbest in baseball. Uh, so, your worryometer all around on Fernando Tatis, given everything that we know right now.
1: So, this is what uh, the injury has made me think of, and it made me think of Hanley Ramirez, who um, and his. Age twenty three, season so two thousand seven. He suffered a left shoulder subluxation. Subluxation, I believe it was actually pretty much the same thing as uh, Fernando Tatis. I think he hurt it initially playing defense, and then separated it uh, playing offense, hitting. He missed three, four, five, six, four days. Came back. He was hitting three thirty six with a three eighty nine on base percentage and a five fifty five slug. Uh, On July 22nd, when he suffered the injury. And he came back five days later. And the rest of the season, he hit 325, 381, 573 with 13 homers and 24 stolen bases. A 37 homer, 68 steal pace. Uh, Which, one, Hanley Ramirez was awesome. And two, you know, if you want to be optimistic, well, there you go. It's entirely possible that he is able to play through this injury. Hanley Ramirez had shirt. Surgery on that shoulder at the end of uh, the 2007 season it was ready to go by the start of 2008, and I only thought of that because immediately when I saw it, I thought of Hanley because I know um, that you know he was one of the best players in baseball for about four or five years, and then shoulder injuries really derailed what you know was a Hall of Fame start to a career. But in looking that up, I just didn't realize that he suffered the injury first in 2007 and didn't really seem affected by it until 2011. Um, so maybe it's not as doom and gloom as it initially seemed. Uh, my initial reaction to this was there's no way Fernando Tatis is going to be able to play through this. And if he does, there's no way he's going to be good. And there's no way he's going to be able to stay healthy. Well, maybe he can, you know, it could be, um, You know, he'll likely wear a brace when he comes back, and maybe he can play without further injuring it. Um, And I think there's some logic to the idea that if you think it's going to be a season-ending injury, no matter what, if he has surgery, then there's really not any difference between him having it now and him having it in July where he'd still have five to six months to recover would be ready for the start of the season. So I think that's probably the way they're looking at it is just, let's see if we can put this off. Um, I don't know if that will work obviously, but I think they're taking a calculated risk. And uh, you know, before we knew this, I had moved Fernando Tatis down to uh, number five at shortstop or uh, sorry. Number nine at shortstop. Now I'm inclined to move him back up to, like, sixth. You know, I, I think, like, rest of season, I think I'd rather have Trey Turner, Trevor Story, Francisco Lindor, Xander Burress, and Corey because they're obviously elite players. Uh, and Tatis, you know, could should be better than all of them if he's 100% healthy and plays the rest of the season. But obviously the risk uh, does make me move him down just a little bit.
0: And that risk that you are referring to is apparently, you know, once you dislocate your shoulder, there's a higher chance of dislocating it again and, and again and again. Yeah. So it's just, that's what I'm referring to when I say it, it seems like a bad decision to just try to have him come back in 10 days and play through it right away. Just give this guy as much time as he needs. I don't know how long that's going to be, but the Padres just signed him to a 14-year contract extension he's pretty important to the organization. So uh, I don't think that they need to rush him back. Like they have enough depth and, and Trent Grisham is getting ready to return this weekend. So uh, this seems like a pretty bad idea if they are looking yeah, to I mean, rush him back.
1: They've got three guys who can fill in a shortstop. Hoss Kim, Jake Cronenworth and Jerkson and Profar like that. Part of the the thing that you like about their roster is there is so much flexibility there. And, um, you know, They should be able to weather this.
0: So you already kind of answered this question, but if you can trade Tatis for you know eighty cents on the dollar for what you paid for him, which was a first round pick, and you can get back Xander Bogarts or Corey Seager, you would do that trade.
1: Yeah, Xander Bogarts, Corey Seager. I'm looking at the trade values chart, and I'll have to update it again now that we do know. I had moved Tatis down, you know, a a significant amount in the in the initial run. you know he was a sixteen point or dollar player, however you want to put it, and you know Seager is, you know Bogarts is thirty. I think I'll probably move him back up towards that range, um, because yeah, I don't think you can value him the same way you did. But there's obviously still a ton of upside. He could still be the best player in fantasy the rest of the season. Um, it's just, or it's he could one of the biggest play one risks. game. Yeah, like so, this is. I know I'm always downplaying injury risk. This is what the actual injury risk is. He's yeah. currently injured with an injury that tends to linger. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I would. It would be really hard for me to trade him. It would really be really hard for me to trade for him. Um, but if someone did offer me Xander Bogarts or Corey Seager or someone like that, I think I would take it.
0: Not Bobuchet. No, I don't have Bobuchet that high. Okay, so then. Not that means you wouldn't do it for Glaber Torres or Corey uh, Carlos no. Correa either. Uh, all right, no, so that's no, where I, we're at right now on um, on Fernando Tatis. It's just one of the biggest risk rewards because we just don't know. So uh, if you want to play it safe and and you can acquire some one of those like third or fourth round shortstops for him, it's, it's something that you could look into. Ha Kim was in the lineup and batting seventh on Tuesday in place of Fernando Tatis. He is thirty seven percent rostered. So if you do play in a deeper league and want to replace. Tatis with Kim, I think that that's uh, something that you can look at. We mentioned a few shortstops yesterday. Isaiah Kiner-Falefa is still out there. He stole his first base of the season on Tuesday. Um, yeah, it's in shallower leagues, it was Hori Polanco. It's one of the names that you could look at as well. Uh, someone emailed in, Chris, asking about if it's time to stash CJ Abrams, who is um, one of the top prospects for the San Diego Padres, former first-round pick in 2019, has not played a lot in the minors, only 34 games but in those 34 games, 393 batting average, three home runs, 15 steals, had a pretty strong spring as well. C.J. Abrams is the name. Would you be looking to stash him in deeper leagues,
1: I guess? Maybe even a keeper league with this? Yeah, keeper news? league, sure. But, I mean, you think, like, he's not even 21 yet. Even if we had played last season, you know, a normal season, he probably wouldn't be on a, on the verge of getting called up. You know, he had only gotten to low Class A. So... You figure 2020 probably would have spent. Maybe he gets to double A, in which case maybe he could have pushed. But I think like he was fine in spring training, but he was 12 for 50. You know, he hit 240. It's not like he was, you know, beating the cover off the ball. He had some nice moments. So now I think it's pretty unlikely for CJ Abrams to make the leap to the majors just yet.
0: All right. So that's everything basically you need to know about the Fernando Tati situation, the Padres, CJ Abrams, Has Young Kim. Uh, that's all. Gift wrapped for you there at the top of the podcast. A week unlike any other is finally here. The Masters returns to Augusta National where Dustin Johnson will defend his green jacket. Go join the First Cut Golf Podcast where the entire crew is previewing this year's tournament from storylines to picks and even daily fantasy advice. The First Cut has you covered. The First Cut Golf Podcast is available wherever you are listening to this podcast. And I do just want to give a shout out to Gabriel Molina who won our FBT bracket challenge uh thanks to the Baylor Bears. He had Baylor winning winning it all and takes down the bracket so he will be receiving a $100 gift card to Paramount Plus. Thank you to everyone else who joined. Way to go. Uh Chris, you actually finished 34th. I don't know if you know that. Uh, I finished 72nd. So,
1: way to go. And there was like 300 people in there, right? Like I I think there was over 400. Yeah, way to go, Sportsline Optimal Bracket, because I did not choose a single thing there. I just went with the uh, projected winners from Sportsline, and hey, that's pretty good.
0: That is pretty uh, pretty damn good indeed. Yeah. Let's get into the standouts from Tuesday. Start off with the Oh My Goodness Gracious player from Tuesday night.
1: Oh my goodness gracious!
0: All right, Chris, I'm going to go first because I'm not going to let you steal my player. I'm wearing the Texas Rangers hat. Everyone, it's time. I wasn't going to take him. Hop on the bandwagon. It is time. Nate Lowe, double dong on Tuesday night, now has... Chris, I'm trying to... I mean, this guy's just... You're killing me, bud. I'm trying to wax poetic about my guy, Nate Lowe, You're just dropping (laughs) stuff.
1: No, I was trying to close the window. I didn't realize it was open. (laughs) And I go to shut it, and I guess I had my cordless drill on the windowsill, and I guess it caught one edge and just sent it flipping. Uh, so I apologize for the noise. Nate Lowe, he had two home runs on Tuesday night. He yes, has very th- great, very great performance.
0: He has three home runs on the season. He is l- leading the entire MLB with 14 RBI. Uh, he is 8-for-21 so far on the year. Does have eight strikeouts to just one walk, so pay attention to that plate discipline. But the guy looks awesome so far. 41% rostered on CBS and... This is what I'm talking about, Chris. Ready to make some rash decisions, and I think that I'm going to move him up to 17th in my first base ranks, which would be just ahead of Andrew Vaughn, Carlos Santana, Ryan Mountcastle, Miguel Sano, Christian Walker. Is that too aggressive? Basically, that means I would drop Andrew Vaughn for Nate Lowe, which is something I told someone to do already on Tuesday night.
1: Yeah, so I'm looking at it, and like 19th is CJ Krohn for me. I mean, yeah, I think I'd rather have Nate Lowe than CJ Crone. At least Nate Lowe's hitting right now. Um, I think I'd rather have Reese Hoskins, who's 18, and I'd rather have Miguel Ceno. So I think 19th makes sense for Nate Lowe. Um, so that's where he's at for me. So and, I don't, I don't think that's necessarily rash. And just him versus
0: Andrew Vaughn, because I feel like there's going to be a lot of questions just revolving around those two. Nate Lowe kind of had some prospect pedigree too. He just didn't really get an opportunity to play every day with Tampa Bay, but had yeah. some monster seasons in the minor leagues. So he's going to get the chance to play every day for the Rangers, especially now that he's mashing. They're not going to take him out of the lineup. The one thing I will point out, uh, he has not faced the toughest pitchers so far this season. Brad Keller, Mike Miner, Brady Singer, Stephen Matz, and Tanner Roark. So
1: I mean, Stephen Matz is, you know, he's an <laughs> ace, but everyone else, sure. Uh,
0: I will just point out. I didn't mention this on yesterday's podcast, but Steven Matz was also great last year in his first start of the season. So, just saying, just saying. Uh, Nate Low, I am yeah, very that excited. was in July, and it, you
1: know,
0: it's different in April. Go add Nate Low, uh, Chris. If you had to drop some fab on Low, how much do you think you would be be
1: willing to go? I I think I could go like ten percent.
0: Yeah, on the aggressive I don't think side, I'm breaking
1: the bank. Yeah,
0: yeah, I like that. Hi, right, Chris, your standout from Tuesday.
1: Oh, you know who it is. It's got to be Sandy.
0: Is it Ace Cantara?
1: Yeah, it's... Uh, he looked awesome. He looked really, really good again. Um, Ten strikeouts, six innings pitched, two earned runs, two walks, four hits. Jorge Alfaro has cost the Marlins starting pitchers over the last two days several runs. Uh, he had a couple of... I don't know if they were pass balls or wild pitches, but they were on him in uh, Monday's game with Trevor with Trevor Rogers. Uh, he had a costly pass ball in the sixth inning of this one that allowed a run to score, and then on the next play he didn't catch a throw that could have potentially gotten an out at home plate. So even better than the six innings, two earned runs line makes Sandy Alcantara look. Um, how many? It was uh. Sorry, 15 swinging strikes, I believe. 14 swinging strikes on 93 pitches, five of them with his four-seamer. He was working up in the zone with the four-seamer, which was one of the things that we talked about in spring training that he was looking to do to generate more strikeouts and more whiffs. His velocity is up. He's averaging 97.8 miles per hour with his fastball. It's too early to say for sure, but man, it looks like Sandy Alcantara has really figured it out and turned into the pitcher that he needed to become.
0: Yeah, I mean, this is another one of those where I I don't want to overreact too much, but just watching him pitch and the way that he's generating swinging strikes thus far and the strikeout versus walk ratio, 17 strikeouts to just four walks over his first two starts. This is not really like anything we've seen from Sandy Alcantara before, Mm -hmm. and it's carrying over from what he was doing in the spring, where he was getting a lot of whiffs, more swinging strikes than ever before. And I will point out that his slider averaged 90 miles per hour in the start. On yeah. Tuesday, that's 2.7 miles per hour more than last year. I mean, those are sliders, you know, normally DeGrom, he, you know, he's a freak. He's throwing like 90, 92 miles per hour with his slider. Sandy Alcantara is now throwing 90 miles per hour with the slider, 97, 98 with his fastball. So I am, think I'm ready to to throw him inside the top 25 starting pitchers, Chris. I don't think that's too reactionary. Uh, it's going to be just ahead of names like Chris Paddock for me, Zach Pleissack, Kyle Hendricks, Zach Greinke. Is that
1: I moved into thirty? High? Okay, so uh, not not quite as high, and and it wasn't a far jump from thirty. I think he was thirty three or thirty four. Because um, like I still have Zach Allen ahead of him. I think he'll be better once he gets back. I I do still have uh, Zach Greinke, Ian Anderson. I have Charlie Morton and Max Freed just ahead of Sandy Alcantara, and and I think he could jump those guys. Fairly easily, but for right now, I feel like top thirty is pretty good <laughs> for for Sandy Alcantara. Um, he's just he's looked like exactly the kind of pitcher that he's always needed to be. The first two starts, and um, you know, still doing a pretty good job of limiting hard contact. Eighty-eight point six mile per hour average eggs velocity today. Um, I just think there's a lot to like about what uh, Sandy Alcantara is doing right now.
0: Before we get back into the worryometer. Just want to hit some news and notes. We finally found out who was going to be out for the Nationals on Tuesday, which included Josh Bell, Kyle Schwarber, Josh Harrison, Jan Gomes, Alex Avila, Patrick Corbin, John Lester, and Brad Hand. So I would say at least for the rest of this week, uh, all those names are on the COVID IL. They've either tested positive or they're a close contact on the team. Zach Allen, you mentioned Chris. He is scheduled to pitch on Wednesday at the Diamondbacks alternate site, he threw a 60 pitch simulated game over the weekend. Last weekend, so it sounds like he's he's getting pretty close. So if you can if you can acquire Gallon on the cheap, I think you should do it.
1: Yeah, and remember, this was not a pitching injury. You know, this was something that was was suffered while he was swinging a bat, which presumably should make it so that he's not at a significant risk of re-injury, um, and it shouldn't you know, impact him too much. I mean, he's already throwing while recovering from it. So, um, yeah, my expectations for Zach Allen are he's still going to be a top 15 to 16 starting pitcher when he gets back.
0: James Paxton left his start on Tuesday night with an apparent injury. I haven't seen anything on what that, that injury is yet, which, yeah, I mean, he was looking awesome in the spring, and he was throwing harder and getting the whiffs. And, uh, yeah, he just... Pulled up lame on a pitch that he threw on Tuesday night. So we we will update you that once we once we learn more. But he was back on the bench. I was watching that game, and uh, you know if he returned to the bench, hopefully that seems not, like a good sign. Uh, it's not too serious. Some updates on the Marlins: Eliezer Hernandez was sent for an MRI on his right biceps. Uh, he's on the IL, and Garrett Cooper was activated and in the lineup Tuesday for the Marlins. Cody Bellinger was out of the lineup for the Dodgers after getting spiked in his calf and ankle area the night before. He is undergoing tests to see if there is anything further there. Matt Olson was out of the lineup Tuesday as well as he's dealing with a knee knee contusion that he suffered sliding for a catch on Monday. He did have an MRI which showed no structural damage. Lorenzo Cain is day-to-day with an oblique issue. He was dealing with a quad injury during spring training. Man, Lorenzo Cain, he's getting up there in age. It's going to be hard for him to stay healthy, I think. Uh, the Rays placed Kevin Kiermeyer on the 10-day IL with a left quad strain, and this helps Manuel Margot stay in the lineup every single day, and Margot is 51% rostered. He has, he had five hits in four games entering Tuesday, uh, and he has seven games next week on the schedule, so if you play in a shallower league uh, and Margot is available, then I would look into him. He had 12 steals in just 47 games last season with Tampa Bay. Joaquin Soria... Yeah, that's
1: the primary thing you'd want him for, a stolen bases.
0: Yeah, for sure. Joaquin Soria was placed on the 10-day IL, finally, with that left cash strain. Chris Davinsky and Kevin Ginkle will likely man the back end of the Dodgers. Yeah,
1: I'm, I'm watching that game right now. They're up 5-4 in the bottom of the 8th, and it's Taylor Clark pitching, pitching the 8th, so it's could be either Ginkle or Davinsky. I don't know uh, how much they've been used, but Stephon Crichton was used in the uh, seventh. So yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see what happens with this game. If Taylor Clark can hold on to the lead.
0: Yeah. We'll update you on that later on in the podcast. when we, uh when we hit our West coast update. Danny Jansen was out with a sore knee on Tuesday. Alejandro Kirk started in his place. Tommy Lestella was scratched from the giants lineup Tuesday with upper back tightness. Maybe that's why he hasn't been playing so much early on here in the season. Former top prospect shortstop. Orlando Arcia was traded to the Atlanta Braves in exchange for Chad Sabotka and Patrick Weigel. Just uh, this is, I assume, just some kind of defensive depth. I don't. Yeah, he he started playing third
1: base in spring. Uh, He might have played a little bit of second base as well. So, um, you know, I I definitely think that's just for the for the Braves to get a a middle infield that they trust. The Yankees acquired Rougnet Odor from
0: the Texas Rangers, who will apparently pay the remaining $27 million on his contract. The Yankees sent two prospects to the Rangers in return. (laughs) Exactly what the the Yankees needed, Chris. More power and strikeouts.
1: I will just say, like, (laughs) it's unlikely that he plays much. He could be such a good fit for Yankee Stadium.
0: Yeah, just has to put the ball Uh, in the air, right? It flies out.
1: Yeah, like, he's such a pull-heavy guy that it's... It's really interesting to see what could happen if he does get the opportunity, but I don't. You're not adding him outside of a very deep league.
0: No, no, you are not. Uh, Alex Cora said that Tanner Houck would be available out of the bullpen on Tuesday night, and he actually pitched out of the bullpen. Eduardo Rodriguez is expected to start against the Orioles later this week. Worryometer Wednesday. If you don't know how this works, ten is man, I'm freaking out. I got to figure out what to do with this player. One is. No, I'm not worried at all, and I have a feeling that Chris is going to say one, or close to one, for a lot of these players, because we are five, six days into the season, but I polled the people, the listeners, and I asked who they wanted to hear about, and there are some people freaking out, so let's jump right in, and we already spoke about Fernando Tatis at the top, Rafael Devers, who, so far to start his season, he was one one for 15 with four strikeouts, I didn't update this uh, later on after that game went final, but... I will just point out Devers is typically a slow starter. 715 OPS for his career in April, which is by far the lowest of any month that he has played
1: in. So Chris And he was pretty bad to start last season too. I think the first 23 games he had a sub 600 OPS and then he was like 900 plus from that point on. I, I don't I don't think there's any anything here. Uh zero. Zero. Rafael Devers is, Rafael Devers is awesome. It's right. 15. It's 17 plate appearances.
0: I would agree if anyone in your league is freaking out about any of these players really maybe not but specifically for Devers if anyone's freaking out and there you go he finished two for five with
1: an RBI so he's already coming around always got already got that batting average up to 125
0: (laughs) try to buy low on Rafael Devers if you can Keston Hira we spoke about him a little bit on yesterday's podcast to start the season 0 for 15 with eight strikeouts this might actually be higher than a one. He has a thirty-one percent swinging strike rate. He was out of the lineup Tuesday. I think it's just a mental day off for him, and he is seeing a lot of breaking and off-speed stuff early on here in the season. Chris, I know that you were a big fan of Hira coming into the year. I'm not saying don't do anything crazy with him in keeper or dynasty leagues, but in redraft, I, I think we can actually bench Kessin Hira until he shows us something. So one to ten on the worryometer for him
1: yeah it's like a six or seven he's been he's looked lost completely and obviously it's only four games that he's played um so you don't want to overreact too much but it's just it's the exact opposite of what you needed to see from keston here he struck out eight times in 16 plate appearances uh, i think he has a 34 percent swing strike rate right now um He's just, he's been awful. And um, I don't know. He can still figure it out, but I guess I don't know if the Blue Jay or if the Brewers have the like depth or flexibility to send him down if he continues to play poorly, but it definitely feels like a situation where that could be possible. Um, you know, if he gets to the end of April and has like a 40% strikeout rate.
0: Would you be looking to drop him in a points league Chris where you get penalized for strikeouts okay I wouldn't
1: not yet it's still too early
0: Adam and me have him in in the in our podcast points league and
1: yeah no it's too early
0: I'm not actually thinking about it but I feel like Adam's gonna text me one of these days and be like we are dropping Keston Hira and and I just won't have any say in the matter uh so yeah a six Chris is a little bit worried about him and I think you probably should be as well. After Tuesday's game, he's 0 for 16 with three strikeouts, Chris. 1 to 10 on the worryometer.
1: Zero. 1 just to 10. Just absolutely absolute zero. <laughs> there's just no, there's nothing to be concerned about with Ozzy Albies right now at all. He's not even striking out that much. I
0: mean, yeah. he's, he's 0 for 16, but he's put the ball in play the other 13 like times. You, and is it? Ex- get
1: 13 played appearance, you get 13 <laughs> batted balls in play. Sometimes none of them will drop in for hits. Like that's just, that is a a mathematical rule. That is how this thing works.
0: And I will point out that entering Tuesday, his expected batting average on Stack S was 363. So if anybody in your league is freaking out about Rafael Devers or Ozzy Albies, you should be trading for them. If they're on the same team, send a package trade. Andrew Vaughn entering Tuesday was 0 for 9 with five strikeouts. Not playing every day. He was in the lineup on Tuesday because James Paxson was the starter. And, um, he's striking out quite a bit. He had five strikeouts in his first three games, but I will point out that so far
1: we are one for one with two walks,
0: one for one, his first major league hit a double two walks. Where are you at on Andrew Vaughn? Chris
1: three, like the only, it's really just the, like the fact that he's not hitting super well, doesn't really bother me that much. It's still a tiny sample size. It's just the, uh, it's just the fact that he hasn't been playing every day, but his double today, he hit 105 miles per hour. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm not I am not particularly worried about it as long as he starts playing more.
0: Would you rather have Nate Lowe or
1: Andrew Vaughn? Andrew Vaughn still.
0: Let's hit some pictures on the Worryometer, Chris. Max Scherzer, I tried to tell you, bro. I'm just kidding. I, I actually think it worked out okay for him. Uh,
1: six innings- Zero. <laughs> zero, <laughs> zero, right. zero. This was actually an encouraging start.
0: I actually agree with you, and I was not a Max Scherzer fan entering the year. It's his debut. It's only one start, so we'll see where it goes from here. Final line, six innings pitched, five hits. Four of those were solo home runs against the, the Atlanta Braves. I believe. Uh, yeah, it was maybe one of them came in the third, but nine strikeouts yeah. to zero walks, 21 whiffs on 91 pitches, and the velocity was fine. So I actually agree with you. I, I would put him at a... I'll put him at a one. Just because, yeah, I mean, it's he supposed made, to be one 10.
1: He made 91 pitches, uh, and like four of them were bad, basically. <laughs> like, that. that's basically the way to look at this. He had, um, he did give up some other hard contact, but two of them, two of the batted balls over 95 miles per hour were ground out, so you don't really worry about them. Yeah, I, I just think like, I don't know. You're facing Freddie Freeman and Ronald Acuna. Like sometimes if you're not perfect, those guys can hurt you. They're pretty good. Um, You know, they might do that 90 more times between them before the season's over. So, uh, you know, they'll, they'll victimize some really good pitchers as well. Um, But yeah, everything else, like the velocity was, I think like 0.3 miles per hour lower than where it was last season. And last season, it wasn't particularly much, much lower than it was in 2019. Uh, All of the secondary pitches looked great. Yeah. I don't, I don't see any reason to be worried about Max Scherzer. Like he's not going to give up four home runs every, every time out. And he had one hit allowed otherwise.
0: And I will also point out that his catcher was Jonathan Lucroy, who the team literally just picked up. I think it was yesterday because they had no other catchers on the roster.
1: So, yeah, he was on the White Sox, I think, and got cut just before the start of before the start of the season.
0: Chris, let's talk about Chris Paddock. We already kind of mm. did. And he's only made one start. He hasn't made another start since. And we, you know, we kind of showed some concern over him. But
1: uh Worryometer, one to ten on Paddock. It's not a zero. <laughs> I, uh, I, I don't want you know, I, I would say maybe like a four. I was gonna and say, say definitely five. Like, yeah, it's definitely in the like let's watch it because he was. He's was so mediocre last season. And the reasons he was so mediocre last season were one, he didn't have a, a third pitch that he trusted. And, you know, I think he threw the I think He actually might've thrown the curveball less often last season than he did as a rookie. Yeah, he did. Um, and the, the swing, the spin rate on his four seam fastball was down and, uh, he just wasn't, it wasn't an effective pitch for him the way it was as a rookie. And that was all true yesterday. His, uh, his changeup was awesome in his first start, and his fastball was not. That's that's going to be a problem if he, um, you know, especially if like he doesn't have the feel for the curveball. We'll see the next few starts, um, but definitely an, a discouraging start from a guy who, you know, sure talked to this offseason as if he had figured out what was wrong last season.
0: Mm-hmm. And his next start is coming against the Texas Rangers. Chris Paddock is who we're talking about. If you know they're actually swinging a pretty hot bat. The Texas Rangers are, but I've I've got to see something from him there. I would put it at a five on the worryometer. I will not rule out the possibility of if he continues to struggle this way, he could be demoted to the bullpen and Mackenzie Gore could be in the rotation. I'm not saying anytime soon, but. You know, by late April, early May, if we don't see progress with Chris Paddock, that is definitely within the range of outcomes for him. The last one we'll mention, Chris, is Frankie Montas, and we spoke about him a little bit, and a couple of people wanted to hear about Montas a little bit more. Uh, where are you at on him, one to ten on the worryometer?
1: I think again, it's like a three or a four. Um, you know, the one reason I'm less worried about him than Paddock is just he costs a lot less than Paddock. You know, he's probably going fifty to sixty spots later if you drafted him, and so the stakes are a lot lower, but, um, you know, the, the, biggest issue with Frankie Montas yesterday was just that he was really struggling to locate his splitter and slider, especially. And, uh, you know, he only had eight caught swinging, caught looking plus whiffs, um, on 40 pitches with those two. That's you know pretty rough. Um, but you know, his velocity was actually up, uh, his spin rate was up on all his pitches. You know, I, th- there are reasons to think that, you know, if he had a better feel for his pitches, if he can get there uh, over the next couple of starts, he'll be fine. So, um, wouldn't be looking to drop Frankie Montas. I, when I did my rankings update today, I didn't really move him down. He is still forty second for me at starting pitcher.
0: Before we hit the break, just want to remind everyone that if you are listening to this podcast, you should also be listening to Fantasy Baseball today in five every weekday morning. Scott or Chris and myself, we like to do a basically a Spark Notes version of this podcast. It's a five-minute podcast where we get you up to date on all of the biggest information in the world of fantasy baseball. What's going on with Fernando Tatis? Is there any players that you have to be adding? Some bullpen updates as well. So you can download and follow. Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, wherever you listen to this podcast. If you're watching on the video side, don't go anywhere. If you are listening on the audio side, we're going to take a quick break. But when we return, we are going to talk about the big red machine, the Cincinnati Sluggers, here on Fantasy Baseball Today. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It offers flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. So the Cincinnati Reds wind up beating the Pirates 14-1. to 1. Man, it's going to be a long season for those Pirates. But... It could be worth it when they wind up with uh, who is the general Kumar Rocker, who I think is the Kumar Rocker or uh, or Jack Leiter, Frank Leiter,
1: Jack, Jack Leiter. Leiter. Yeah, they are. Yeah, either one of those guys. They're on the same team, right? Yeah, That's, they're on Vanderbilt, which <laughs> they're,
0: they're on just the same like, team. Just, it's ridiculous. Just,
1: yeah, just show up on Sunday if it's you've got like, a weekend series with them. Just like, God. just all right, we'll see you guys on Sunday. Just you guys got it.
0: That's a pretty Don't, nice prize.
1: Yeah, the defense doesn't need to bring gloves when those two guys are on the mound. It's been pretty ridiculous so far.
0: It's, uh, that's a pretty nice prize for the Pittsburgh Pirates <laughs> and their fans to wind up with. Uh, but let's get back to the Cincinnati Reds. They score 14 runs in this game Tuesday. Nick Senzel goes 3-4 for four with three singles, a walk, three runs scored. It was nice to see him get back on track. Jonathan India is the other one, and he went 3-4, for four, four RBI, three runs scored. He now has nine hits in five games with just four strikeouts and he just played his fifth game at second base so he will have that eligibility second and third base eligibility for fantasy purposes only 43% rostered chris who would you rather have india or nate low they're both rostered in less than 50% of cbs leagues
1: uh i think it's probably low um yeah but india does have a you know perhaps a, a slightly more Elusive tra- uh, skill set for fantasy, especially if you're talking about a roto league, because he could be, you know, a 15 stolen base guy with good batting average. Whereas, even a good low season, like it's hard for me to see Nate Low hitting 275 or much better than that. Uh, he's going to hit for power in his best case scenario, but I, I think he's going to be a batting average, you know, maybe not a drain, but probably not a big help. And so, uh, India could help in. Harder to find categories. I do want to point out you are kind of burying the lead here. Well, you know be? who is second in the majors and runs batted in right now?
0: Is it Jonathan India?
1: It is not. Is it Tyler it? Naquin? <laughs> has 12 RBI. I was getting only to it. Behind Nate Lowe and only three strikeouts compared to Nate Lowe's eight. So looked a lot more sustainable. I'm just kidding. Yes. Tyler Naquin is not worth adding in most fantasy leagues.
0: Tyler Naquin, how could I do it? D- bury the lead. He had a double dong on Tuesday. Three hits, seven RBI. He has started four games in a row, and he was leading off in three of those. I saw that Shogo Akiyama is getting closer to returning. He's not He's not there yet, but he's sh- he will get playing time once he returns. So any interest here, Chris, in Tyler Naquin? Probably in a deeper league?
1: No, I, I think at best he's just a uh, platoon bat. He's got a 780 OPS against righties versus 696 against lefties for his career. And you know, he he, he I think he's had a lot of trouble staying healthy if I'm remembering correctly. So I, he's, you know, 30 years old. I wouldn't I wouldn't be looking to add Tyler Naquin.
0: He's 29 years old, Chris, so I mean,
1: as, and this is his age 30 season.
0: As the resident 29-year-old on the podcast, you know, I would I wouldn't want you to round my age up to 30.
1: Frank, you're going to hit 30, and it's going to, you're just, you're immediately, your hips are going to start hurting.
0: I mean, that already happens. So it's only going to go downhill from here. Uh, Tyler Naquin, only 1% rostered. Take a shot in NL only, maybe in a 15 team league if you're really desperate uh, in leagues with five outfielders, but nothing shallower than that. Wade Miley, tried to ask you guys about him as a streamer. On yesterday's podcast, I just stream anyone against the Pirates. I think we're really there as long as Ke'Bryan Hayes is out. I mean, if you make if you make Wade Miley and Jose De Leon look good, you are bad. So Wade well, Miley six shutouts. Let's again. not
1: throw Jose De Leon in with Wade Miley. You know, let's Jose DeLeon could be more interesting. Oh, he's the de, yeah, least.
0: no, he definitely is more interesting than Wade Miley. But Miley goes six shutout with six strikeouts, eleven whiffs on seventy eight pitches, and uh, he does have a two start week. Next week, going up against Cleveland and at San Francisco, which is kind of interesting. Eight yeah, percent roster. That's not bad. Would, do you like him as a two-star pitcher in those matchups?
1: It'd still be pretty low end, but like in a you know, if you're in a deep head-to-head points league or something, you can consider it.
0: And I just saw who came into the ninth inning for the Arizona Diamondbacks in their safe situation. Would you like to guess? Did you see who it is, Chris?
1: I didn't. Oh, it's Chris Davinsky. It is. There you go. So he's the he's the closer <laughs> for the Diamondbacks, I guess. Man, they didn't even use Kevin Ginkle on Tuesday night. So,
0: all right, yeah, yeah. I, I, I put in a little. Like
1: uh, he's uh, Chris Davensky, I'm not. I'm not going to be trying too hard to add him. I did a big overhaul of my relief pitcher rankings because I honestly i I really didn't touch them that much in spring training. I wanted to wait until we actually had some concrete information. And the way I look at it, it's like. There's like five, maybe six, good closers. There's like six through thirteen on my and ra- or six through twelve on my rankings. I'm just like, I don't know what order they're going to be. Thirteen through eighteen to twenty, it's kind of the same thing. Uh, and Chris Davansky would probably be in like the <laughs> thirty to thirty-five range if I had to. Uh, if I had to put someone there.
0: And there's still a chance that he blows it, so it's only a one-run game, and he's pitching in course Field, so we will keep you up to date on that. Mentioned it was a nice day on Tuesday for catcher-eligible players. Omar Narvaez. don't look now. He's off to a pretty nice start. Two for three with his second home run of the season. He's batting 500 and was the seventh best catcher in head-to-head points leagues back in 2019. Again, Omar Nervais, 39% rostered. Chris, I have Sean Murphy, who is... 0 for 8 with 5 strikeouts so far this year in a 1-catcher head-to-head points league. Would you drop Sean Murphy for any of Buster Posey, Omar Nervias, or Wilson Ramos who are all available in this league?
1: Uh, so, I do have Sean Murphy still ranked higher than those guys, but I'm not sure he necessarily should be. That's another one where it's just kind of like after maybe the top 11 there's just a bunch of guys, but Uh, I would be totally willing to drop Sean Murphy for Buster Posey or Wilson Ramos. Wilson Ramos, I believe, has the most 100-mile-per-hour bad balls in baseball. Look at that. Right now. Um, And he always hits the ball hard. It's just he's another one of those guys where it's can he hit the ball in the right direction and with the right altitude. But um, uh, Narvaez is is also always fine. So I'd be fine with any of those guys.
0: Christian Vasquez hit a home run and had a stolen base on Tuesday. Sweet and savory, if you will. Uh, in deeper leagues, if you need a second catcher, Williams Asudillo, La Tortuga. He's only 10% rostered. He has catcher eligibility. And he started at third base. He went two for four with an RBI. And I'll point out, this was my concern with Mitch Garver, is that he has started just two of five games to open the season. He did have a pinch hit appearance on Tuesday, but... Not going to get it done, especially in a points league where you need volume. It's, that's you know not looking great there for Mitch Garver. Dom Nunez hit his second home run of the season for the Colorado Rockies. He has started three of the last four games and each of their games against right-handed pitching. Dom Nunez, only 7% rostered. Tucker Barnhart, part of that Reds onslaught, went three for four, three RBI, two runs scored. He is 9% rostered and has started four of five games. Chris, if you wanted to take a shot on a second catcher in a deeper league, Astur Dio Dom Nunez, Tucker Barnhart. Which one do you like most? Uh,
1: I think it's B- Nunez. Um, you know, I think he's actually a decent hitter. His his career numbers are pretty good. Um, and if he's going to play every day against righties and he's going to play half his games at Coors Field, that's probably going to be pretty good. You know, he doesn't need to be great to be good.
0: Let's recap the rest of Tuesday's action and just aces being aces. Not really much to see here. Garrett Cole seven shutout with. 13 strikeouts to zero walks, 27 whiffs on 97 pitches with Kyle Higashioka as his catcher. So I don't know that that actually matters, but last year with Gary Sanchez as his catcher, Garrett Cole had a 3.91 ERA in eight starts with Kyle Higashioka, including the postseason seven starts, a 1.80 ERA. So I think Cole might just... Be better with Higashioka, uh,
1: Tyler Glass. It was a real mistake for Gary Sanchez not to catch Garrett Cole when he was playing the Orioles. I think he really should have rethought that one. That was bad game planning by Gary Sanchez.
0: Twenty-seven whiffs, Chris, on ninety-seven pitches. I mean,
1: yeah, you don't see that. It's that's, that's really good, man. Garrett Cole's awesome.
0: <laughs> I, I I know. I'm just. I, I think he might actually be better with with Higashioka calling the game for him. So
1: maybe I don't know.
0: Tyler Glass it's now. Tyler now was at the Red Sox. Six innings, one earned run, nine strikeouts, just two walks, 14 whiffs on 97 pitches. And he threw that slider, slider-cutter hybrid 34 times. He threw his curveball 10 times. So Tyler now is now up to 15 strikeouts to just two walks in his first two starts. If he could just stay healthy, man, Tyler now 100%
1: could be taking that next step right before our eyes. And I did, add, I did move him up to 15th, that starting pitcher. Yeah, so, I think it makes think it sense. before.
0: Uh, someone who I was not very excited about entering this season, admittedly, Dylan Bundy went up against the Astros on Tuesday, six innings of two-run ball with 10 strikeouts to just two walks. And his fastball oh. velocity was up 2.9 miles per hour to 92.9 miles per hour. Uh, last year, that was at 90. So look at Dylan Bundy starting 92-93 and he's getting whiffs on his slider. He had 15 whiffs total. On 102 pitches, I, I just saw what you saw, Chris. Um, yeah, I, I will point out like the swinging strikes for Dylan Bundy against the Astros. They entered this game with the third lowest swinging strike rate in baseball. They make a lot of contact. So, look, if Dylan Bundy's throwing 92, 93, Chris, I, I think that there there's a chance that he he makes me look foolish.
1: Yeah, I mean, same. I was pretty skeptical of him. He was outside of my top 35 at starting pitcher, I believe. Um, and his velocity was up in this one. So I think that's a pretty good sign as well. He's actually got whiffs with all four of the pitches, not including the sinker, which will yeah, throw that one out. Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm fully ready to be wrong about Dylan Bundy for sure.
0: Uh, any excitement for Dane Dunning, who made his Rangers debut? Chris, five innings pitch, one earned run, six strikeouts to just zero walks.
1: There's not nothing there. He's 24% um, rostered. Yeah, I with a two star week coming up against Baltimore and Tampa Bay, I'm actually thinking ahead to add points league, like he's a worthwhile streamer. Uh, he would definitely be behind all those guys we talked about yesterday with Carlos Rodon and Trevor Rogers and Steven Matz and you know, you said from a couple of days earlier. Uh he would definitely be behind all those guys. But um, you know, he's he's worth a look in a points league, probably.
0: Dunning is only 24% rostered. I will point out that he threw a sinker 71% of the time in this start, which is not very exciting because he throws it like 91 miles per hour. I know last year, Scott and I wanted him to keep throwing his uh, his curve slider pitch more, and he didn't really do that much in his debut. Ryan McMahon had a triple dong on Tuesday. And speaking of the Rockies, Sam Hilliard just went yard off of Chris Davinsky who blows the save. Maybe, yep. Maybe it will be Kevin Kinkle next time out.
1: I hope somebody. I hope. I hope nobody stopped listening when I said Devenski's the Diamondbacks closer <laughs> seven minutes ago. That's the last thing that they hear, right? Uh, just a few other things that
0: happened on Tuesday. Casey Mize up against the Minnesota Twins. He wasn't great. Four innings pitched, one run, one earned run, four strikeouts. Didn't get a lot of whiffs, but the. Velocity was up, Chris, which is something I know that we were paying close attention to for Casey Mize. Where does he rank among that group of lefties we've talked a lot about recently? Rodon, Trevor Rogers, and Steven Matz.
1: Right around them. I I currently have all five of those guys. Yusei Kikuchi was part of that group too, right?
0: I didn't mention him, but he should be in there.
1: Uh, Yeah, I've got... So in a row, I've got Zach Afflin, Yusei Kikuchi, Carlos Rodon, Trevor Rogers, Steven Matz, and Casey Mize. So he is at the bottom of that group, but You know, I think he's probably, arguably, the most talented of that group. Um, you know, he's done a he did a good job of limiting hard contact today. It's just he didn't have the whiffs, and I'm not sure what what's about that, what's up with that. Um, you know, he wasn't a he wasn't as much of a strikeout guy in the minors as you would you would have thought. Uh, but man, he's so talented, and the fact that the raw stuff is there now, it's it'd be hard to go away from him.
0: The legend of Akil Badu continues to grow, Chris. He did not start on Tuesday, came in as a pinch runner, and wound up getting the walk-off single in the bottom of the 10th inning for the Tigers. So I'd be willing to bet that he's going to be in the Tigers lineup the next time out. And we did get an email from Angel. He said, would you drop, drop any of Josh Rojas, Ty France, Jonathan India, Trey Mancini, or Jesse Winker for Akil Badu in a 12-team head-to-head categories league?
1: I don't think I would. Maybe Josh Rojas, but you're kind of hoping for the same thing from them. You're kind of hoping that uh, they figure it out and can provide a little bit of pop and some speed.
0: Yeah, I I think I'd be willing to do it for Josh Rojas, but it is close there. Drew Smiley in his Braves debut, he did throw 94 pitches and, and went six innings, which I think is actually very surprising. He wound up with eight strikeouts, had 13 whiffs on 94 pitches. Victor Robles, first time leading off the season, went one for three with two walks and two runs scored. Jared Walsh did not get the start the first two games of the season for the Angels, but he now has seven hits over his last four games, and he started in right field on Tuesday. So it's nice to see if you have Jared Walsh that the Angels are trying to find ways to get him in the lineup. Freddie Peralta, let's talk about him. At the Cubs on Tuesday, five shutout, one hit, eight strikeouts, 17 whiffs, on ninety-one pitches, but he basically only threw two pitches in this start, Chris. So, what did you think about this one from Freddie Peralta? His first start of the season, actually.
1: This is this is the Freddie Peralta experience. I feel like if you were you were to uh, you know ask for the platonic ideal of a Freddie Peralta start, it would probably be what was it? Eight strikeouts, four walks, and in, in five innings. Yes. Yeah, that sounds about like what Freddie Peralta would do. He is impossible to hit. He has one strikeout or one hit allowed, uh, but he, you know, has some command problems. He's really, really talented. You know, it was weird that he didn't really, you know, throw anything but the four seamer and curveball. And I think he's probably going to have to introduce that, you know, that slider or the changeup that he's worked on at some point. But uh, you should keep him around in a head-to-head points league for sure with his spark. Uh, eligibility. Let's just
0: update some people on some bullpen stuff that happened on Tuesday for the Tigers. Brian Garcia pitched in the fifth inning with Gregory Soto in the ninth and the 10th. Uh, Gregory Soto did escape some trouble in the 10th inning and, and wound up getting the save there for the Tigers. The Atlanta Braves, Will Smith was in the bottom of the ninth with the game tied. He gave up a single, a hit by pitch and an, a walk off single to Juan Soto. Will Smith takes a loss there. The Angels, not the best starts of the season for uh, my guy Ricey Glacius, who entered with the game tied, and he allowed two runs on three hits. He is so bad in non-save situations, Chris. I don't know. It's got to be a mental thing for Ricey Glacius because I just I have no explanation for it.
1: It's strange, yeah. It's very
0: weird for the Astros. Ryan Presley pitched in the eighth and the ninth inning. He wound up getting the win there. Your boy Alex Reyes picks up his second save. He recorded four outs with one strikeout and uh, Giovanni. Gallo- Gallego's pitched in the seventh. Alex Reyes is still just
1: 55% rostered. Let's get that number. Let's get that number. Yeah, up. He's, he's. I moved him up to RP 13, which is right after Craig Kimbrell, which is basically, that's the end of a tier. That's the, the Kimbrell is like the end of the like, I th- think they're good and I know they're the closer. Uh, and I think Alex Reyes is right on the borderline, right there with like Matt Barnes. And I think, Scott would disagree, but I have Jordan Romano 15th. Um, so,
0: yeah. Uh, for the Tampa Bay Rays, it looks like Diego Castillo is just their closer. Mind you, this could change in the blink of an eye with the Tampa Bay Rays, but he did allow a game tying home run in the ninth inning to Christian Vasquez on an 0 2 pitch, which that is, of all the things it's that annoy, uh, annoy me in baseball, when a pitcher gives up a home run on
1: an 0 2 pitch, that is. Top, I mean, come on! Top of the Not line. scoring, bases loaded, no outs is way more annoying. That's that. Yeah, that's. I think know. the Yankees did that. They did that on one Tuesday. time earlier this season, and they already they did I that on Tuesday Marlins, again too. Yeah, I think the Marlins did it today.
0: <laughs> Dean Kramer <laughs> struck out the the side with the bases loaded uh, against the Yankees I on Tuesday. Just,
1: how? How? You can't uh, just you can't just assume you're gonna score off Dean Kramer.
0: <laughs> for the Texas Rangers, Ian Kennedy had a one two three ninth inning for the save. Uh, with them up three runs, Matt Bush allowed a run in the eighth. Ian Kennedy is still just 33% rostered. Yep. He's not great, but it looks like he is the guy for now. Uh, let's get people a little caught up on what is going on on the West Coast as of now, which is 12.45 p.m. Uh, a- a.m. Eastern time. <laughs> Clayton Kershaw, seven innings, one-run ball, eight strikeouts against the Oakland A's. Mookie Betts had... Two steals there. Chris Bassett, and a home run. Um, Mookie Betts had a home run as well. Yep. Wow. Yeah. He's a he's hashtag good. Chris Bassett was Chris Bassett. Six innings, nine hits, four runs. Whatever. Anything on the Oakland A's side? Ramon Laureano returned to the lineup. He had two hits and an RBI. So nice to see there from Ramon Laureano.
1: How did Lucas? Yeah. Giannico you mentioned go? Matt. Matt. Uh,
0: Matt Olson was out, right? Yes. Yeah, he was dealing with a knee contusion. He he was trying to slide for uh, a catch, <clears throat> and apparently he hit his knee on the wall of the stadium. Yeah. So uh, that is that was Matt Olson, Lucas Giglio, 5.1 innings, three earned, 10 strikeouts. So the strikeout's still there against the Seattle Mariners. It's good to see. Uh, anything else going on here? Not really. We already spoke about Andrew Vaughn a little bit. Zach Collins, who actually started at catcher for the White Sox, 2-for-3 with a home run and 3 RBI for the White Sox on Tuesday. Luis Robert went 2-for-4 with a home run as well. For the Padres and the San Francisco Giants, Hugh Darvish, 6 innings, a one-run ball, 7 strikeouts. So, it's pretty good. His only mistake, he gave up a home run to Brandon Crawford. I was watching this start a little bit earlier in the night. Aaron Sanchez, didn't talk about him at all, but his debut for the Giants... Five innings, one run, four strikeouts, zero walks. I saw that his velocity was way down from where it used to be, but I would say put him on the watch list, Chris. I mean,
1: Yeah, I, I, I'm i not sure. It, it would take quite a bit for him to enter my top 100 at starting pitcher, I feel like. I'm just not a believer.
0: Not a believer. I think you muted your mic there, Chris. Uh, to stream or not to stream for Wednesday, this is for anyone who's playing in daily lineup leagues or trying to pick up a pitcher and stream them. And we'll start with Matthew Boyd, who is at home against the Twins. What do you think, Chris?
1: I would prefer not to. I agree.
0: How Um, about Jake Junis at Cleveland? No. Kyle Gibson at home against the Blue Jays? No. This is a very uninspiring list for Wednesday. David Peterson at the Phillies?
1: Yeah, I mean, most teams' ones or twos are going tonight or tomorrow, right? So, you know, there's, there's not a lot of streamers right now.
0: Yeah. How about your boy, Justin Dunn? It's probably a wait-and-see, though. Justin Dunn versus the White Sox?
1: Definitely a wait-and-see. I'm encouraged by the velocity jump in spring, but he <clears throat> still struggled with his uh, commands. So, you know, I'll want to see a couple starts from him.
0: Let's wrap up with a few Apple Podcast review questions. These have been sitting there for the past couple of days and feel bad. So let's hit these. From, uh, from Eric Hall, I keep hearing about upside with players like Logan Webb. Would you drop any of these players to pick them up? Jamison Tyone, Tristan McKenzie, Griffin Canning... Ty France, Garrett Hampson are all on my bench.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's a pretty upside y group of pitchers. Um, Between Tyone, McKenzie, and Canning, I I think I might be least optimistic about Tyone, actually. Um, Just, I'm not sure if the velocity is going to get there. You know, it wasn't there in the spring. Um, So, uh, but he might not necessarily, I'm not necessarily sure I would want to drop him before, you know, really getting an opportunity to see him. I think I would
0: be alright dropping Canning for Logan Webb.
1: Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I think that's fine. I I think Canning's interesting, um, but that that'd be fine. I don't think anybody's gonna be you know trying to pick up Griffin Canning.
0: This one's from Trenton Andrew. Twelve team head to head five by five with daily lineups. This trade was made after the George Springer injury. I gave up Cody Bellinger and got back. George Springer and DJ LeMayhew with DJ's position eligibility and Marcus Semien, who is on my bench, uh, picking up second base eligibility soon. I went ahead and pulled the trigger. I was just too worried about Cody Bellinger. Would you have made this trade?
1: Uh, I think that's an A-plus trade. Yeah, to get back. I, to... I'm not... There's no guarantee Cody Bellinger is better than either George Springer or DJ LeMayhew this season. Like You got two elite bats back. But we all had Bellinger ranked higher than... Right, First, right, yeah. right. But it's, you know, I had Bellinger like 17th or 18th. I had Springer in the like low 30s and, and Lemayhu in the high 30s. So it's that's a pretty good return for uh, Cody Bellinger. This one's from Annapolis
0: Adam. Better end of the rotation stash. Logan Webb or Adbert Alzali. 10-team
1: head-to-head points. I'd probably go with Webb. And uh, here's an interesting one. Diamondbacks up... Uh they have a one run lead in the bottom of the tenth and it's Johan Lopez in for the second save opportunity after Vince, after Chris Davinsky blew it. So um yeah. Sorry sorry to all my ginkle stands out there. I don't uh I did pick him up in a few games. I leagues. mean, look, it's it's one it's one game. It doesn't necessarily mean he can't be in the mix for the next one, but it's you know, not a great look.
0: Uh this one's from hockey thirteen thirteen, ten team head to head categories. Uh, With the hidden categories being runs, hits, home runs, RBI, steals, walks, Ks, and average. I get Cattell Marte and give Jeff McNeil and Michael Brantley. I picked up Shohei
1: Otani with the extra roster spot. A plus, 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 plus. Like, I think Cattell Marte might be as good a bat for batting average as Jeff McNeil, and uh, he will probably out homer both McNeil and Brantley.
0: This is the last one. This is actually an email from Jorge who says, I've got a major dilemma with IL spots. And I thought this was interesting, and other people are going to have this issue as well. My commission allows four IL spots, and I have the following names. Luke Voigt, Zach gallen Adalberto Mondesi, Brian Hayes, Noah Syndergaard, and now Patrick Corbin, who is on the COVID IL with the Nationals. Should I drop one of these guys for someone healthy, like Steven Matz or
1: Yusei Kikuchi? I think you can have one IL guy on your bench. It's a lot harder with two. Um, I'm dealing with similar situations in a couple of leagues where I've got minor league stashes. Um, I wouldn't want to drop Patrick Corbin, but I... Th- well...
0: I think Cindergard the first... yeah, yeah.
1: Um, yeah, I think I would drop Cindergard for Kikuchi.
0: Yeah, I think that's the move as well. It's, the earliest we're likely to see Cindergard is June, and you just have so many injuries on this team. So yeah. I would say that for anyone else who was stashing one of... Frember Valdez, Noah Syndergaard, Luis Severino. I mean, don't just drop them for the sake of it, but I think if you're really having issues, you're probably going to look at dropping
1: one of those Tommy John guys first. Also. More than anyone else. Just want to point out, Ginkle stands may get a, a respite <laughs> tonight because Johan Lopez just blew the save in the 10th for the Diamondbacks.
0: Should we just stay live until whenever this game ends? Because I feel like it's going to go forever. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, look, blown saves are going to happen a lot more in extra innings. Uh, especially I mean, in core field. Season, <laughs> yeah, last season, but and, and this year as well, you're going to see a lot of blown saves in, in the extra innings. You're going to see a lot of uh, guys in line for a loss and then a lot of guys blowing saves because of that runner on second rule. So that's just kind of the way it is. We're
0: going to wrap there. For Chris, I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball today. We'll be back again tomorrow. Bye-bye.